Bryce McGain is with us. Look, a very sharp Bryce McGain, I might add. Welcome yeah, to you. Big lunch to go. G'day, Coxie. And, uh, yeah, big lunch to go to today, the, the past players lunch. for The ACA put that on at the MCG, day three. A little nervous that, uh, and thankfully the weather came early. At times we were a bit worried that we'll even see any action uh, with, with some of the tests that we've had over the journey. But, uh Really looking forward to catching up with some old faces today and having a laugh and pretending how good we were and back in our day. It's uh, it's always a good to catch up, and I, I, I particularly like the the guys in the generations of the preceded me to catch up with them and what their experience is and all that sort of stuff. So it's always a great day. Who's the primary person that people gather around at this function? Who's the biggest storyteller? Who's the one that everyone wants to catch up with? Well. Uh, whether they want to catch up with him or not, Merv generally uh, takes control of the whole room and uh, gets around to everyone. But that's one of the great things of Merv. He knows everyone by name. He gets around. How are you going? Um, uh, so he's terrific at that. Damien Fleming's a good driver as well, but he's obviously got his hands full with the broadcast. But he'll pop in at some stage in a break as he runs around the you know runs around the ground from spot to spot, um, from TV to radio and all that stuff he does. Uh, SEN Zone. So. Uh, Looking forward to catching up with him. And uh, from a more uh, contemporary time, Bobby Quine, he's, he's, since he started in the state squad as, he, as a young man, he, uh, he's, he's everyone's favourite teammate. So he is terrific at bringing all the people together and connecting them and understanding how um, others may be connected through other things. Oh, you like golf? Oh, you like golf? And then he lets them continue the conversation. He's a ripper at it, and uh, and he's always good fun as well, always got a smile on his face. So looking forward to catching up with certainly those three, but there's so many more that, uh, that make it a great day. And there's great events like Boxing Day, as we were discussing the other day, which provide a great opportunity for people to come together at this time of year, post the festive and the chaos in the lead up to Christmas. It provides a great platform and particularly for people of your ilk to be able to gather and to celebrate and reflect on what got you to this point. It's uh, it's fantastic. It is. It's good fun. And uh, look, there's a, there's a bit of cricket to watch as well. And there's some reasonable signs from Pakistan. And then there's some... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, outstanding performances. You know, Pat Cummins yesterday was uh, unbelievable when he, he came on for that late spell and really broke open the game in the third session. Your point from Boxing Day morning about the quartet of our bowling attack, that came to the fore yesterday when things are just looking as though they were just starting to get out of our grasp a little bit. Enter Pat Cummins, enter Nathan Lyon. They were phenomenal yesterday with being able to drag momentum back and to ensure that the game didn't get away from Australia. Yeah, and look, credit to Pakistan. The plan that they went in with, with being more aggressive and being proactive and scoring runs, and they did it um, around rotating strike, which was really good. Um, So, you know, we spoke about that before the test. How can they actually do this? And it's going to be by rotating strike. And they were able to do that. Um, So there was a fair bit of resilience but they're absolutely relentless. They are so impressive, this bowling attack, and uh, it, it will be heralded as, if not the best, one of the absolute best. I don't know where it was. We touched on it on, on Boxing Day. You know, has there been a better one? I'm not sure there has been. Well, I'm going to expand that question. Has, is, has there been a better bowling quartet worldwide? When we When wow. we reflect back on what this group has achieved in the era and this generation of Australian cricket... 
have there been in any attack ever in the history? We can go as far back as we want to here. 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. Yes, attacks have had some great individual players that are able to turn the match on a dime. But four quality bowlers, the best of the best in one attack. Has there been another bowling quartet that gets close Gee. to this existing one from Australia? 0433981116 or 1300736736. Because as I just said to you, yesterday when it felt as if Pakistan were just edging on top, when they were just fraying the edges of the Australian side and, and their pressure that they had been trying to accumulate, they responded. And, and I... I like so I'm a bit younger than you, Bryce. So my recollections of eras gone by, I have to be educated and rely on others to educate me on attacks that they've witnessed. This one to me stands a cut above everything else that I've witnessed in my short time on this planet. Yeah, well, and that's the great thing of our our um, because our, our listening audience, they they know it in depth. Um, yeah, look, I'm sure some will put their mind to the the West Indies, the the four-pronged pace attacks there, but uh, always generally the loose end that they had was a gun spinner. You know, that they, they, they didn't have that top-end spinner. You know, Viv Richards would roll his arm over at different times or, you know, people talk about Roger Harper maybe in more in the white ball game, but in test cricket, um, you know, they, they had some big pace quartets and all-rounders and things like that. But, uh, yeah, probably nothing like this. Because the other thing that Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins and Lyon all have, the longevity that they've spent together. Yeah. And the fact that, yeah, they've had injuries earlier in their career for the for the quick bowlers. Yep. But for the amount of time that they've actually played together over the last five or six years and for their performances throughout that period. Like Nathan Lyon, people can get very critical about his performances on occasion, but he has always been reliable. He always holds up his end. And even on the down days where he can be a bit expensive, there's generally some upside of whether he's created the pressure to allow the fast bowlers to come and ply their trade with relative ease. There's always been something a part of this four that makes them so strong. You're spot on. You're spot on. You're calling it well and seeing it well. Um, I, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to think of any others off the top of my head. But let's go to the the forty wings temper text. Um, I think there's got to be some will have some suggestions out there, and I'm you know happy just to put it all on the table today. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen or one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you've got nominations to share with us this morning. And off the 40 Wings temper text, does everyone avoid Scoob at the function that you're attending today? <laughs> no, not he at was, all. He was talking it up a fair bit last week and more so what was on the menu. I think it was his greater focus. But, yes, uh, yes uh, we are well looked after and uh, it, it does make it a, a memorable time. That The food and the catering is, is always at top class at the MCG, but uh, no, not at all. No, they don't avoid Scoob. Early on, like, he, we know he's not a morning person, so uh, we we try and avoid him early, but he would have had a coffee by the start of play and he would have been good to go. Well, you might be able to get some <laughs> tips off him uh, for the summer breakfast gig because you've got another week to go of this beyond this one. And 
Little birdies informed me that this morning it was a little harder to get out of bed and uh, yeah. make your way in. You, a step or two off the pace. Yeah, I've got a, a reputation. You do it once and uh, you, you sleep in and miss a flight. Um, and that was uh, for my Australia tour. So uh, you, oh, no. you do that. You hey, do... Oh, hang on, press pause on this. No, no, no. <laughs> this is this is well well done, uh, Coxie. Um, but uh, yeah, you do it once and then everyone goes, oh, he's late all the time. But no, not really. No, it was hard to get up this morning. This is day three of uh, Breakfast Radio. So I'm trying to work out what the best formula is, whether it's a nap during the day, and, and I'm a good power napper. Like, I am gold at power napping, and I can do 12 minutes, put the alarm on, and feel completely refreshed. But I think I added a couple of 12 minutes to my normal overnight sleep. I went to the power <laughs> napping a bit, a little bit early this morning. So um, any secrets about getting through these odd sort of times, I'm, I'm open to them and open to suggestions. But uh, I did have a power nap during the day yesterday and, uh, and felt pretty good, got through the day well. I've been doing breakfast radio for three years, I think it is now, and I still haven't got it right. There's some days where, yep, bang on, the routine works, and others where it just fails. Yeah. It just crumbles away. So I'm also curious to hear if you're waking up early, particularly shift workers, and at this time of year where there's still plenty happening, 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. Any tips of... Uh, being able to bounce out of bed at around uh, 4 a.m. in the morning uh, would be greatly <laughs> appreciated. And how you structure your day post that, because that's just as important. Do you take the nap earlier in the day, a little later in the day? Does it affect things? Well, the easy part for us, we're, we're sort of done in the morning. But uh, shift workers, they, they're going through, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours. Um, so, yeah, I don't envy that to keep going. But, um, yeah, so any tips? I'm, I'm more than... Open to uh, changing the routine of the early morning. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to share with us your thoughts on the Forty Wings temper text. There's a couple coming through regarding the uh, the quartet, yes. the bowling quartet. So Scott sent Holding, Marshall, Walsh, and Harper through on the Forty Wings temper text, and That's then amazing, like that they're amazing players. They really are. They they uh, had a huge impact. So that's that's challenging this current quartet. Harper. As a spinner, yeah, not not. I don't think he he he's got a bit of a shadow on the performance of Nathan Lyon, five hundred Test wickets. Uh, I need to look up Roger Harper's, um, yeah, figures there, but it, it can't be anywhere near. Oh, I don't think it'll have, be near two hundred Test wickets. I'll I'll check it out. And then the other one is McGrath, Lee, Gillespie, and Warney. Don's the first one to share that nomination with us on the Forty Wings temper text this morning. That's pretty good. Were they? I'm. I'm. This was in the early phase for me. Were, was their longevity as a group? Yeah. As long as what this period has been for Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, and Lyon. Well, some smarter statisticians will be able to put that together, and the the times that that four played together, um, the current four that they seem to have played so many tests together and had such an impact together. Roger Harper, twenty five tests. 46 wickets, so probably didn't reflect the, the off-spin that he bowled, um, but certainly holding Marshall, Walsh, um, keep going the little area before that, Garner. Um, oh, the, the West Indies was so powerful when I was a kid. It was unbelievable. Thanks, Scott, for bringing that one to the uh, table. We've inadvertently stumbled on uh, a quite sizable question that's got everyone scratching their heads and trying to... 
work out what is the best bowling quartet of all time? Because this is off the back of admiring the performance yesterday of the Australian attack. And again, this debate has kind of surfaced in the past, but we're putting it firmly on the agenda this morning, trying to compare previous generations of Australian cricketers or the Australian bowlers specifically, but we want to broaden it out worldwide as well. We just don't want to look on a local sphere, even though there are a few nominations coming through from an Australian perspective about previous generations off the 40 Wings temper text, and there's a couple that have come through. Yeah, some solid ones around the West Indies. Garner, Marshall, Roberts and Holding. The current Aussie quartet doesn't come close. Um, Haven't got a name there, but uh, look, they were amazing. And that, that was when I was a kid just looking at that. You could hardly see the ball when you're watching it. You just see the batsman react and it was fast. It was fearsome. It was uh, pretty remarkable. Um, I like this one here from uh, the Invincibles Tour uh, of England back in 48. This is a really good one. This is from Tony in East Bentley. Uh, Linwall, Miller, Johnston and Toshak weren't bad on the Invincibles tour. So that 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 quartet has been re- renowned for uh, as well, uh, very similar to what we we've got currently at the moment as well. Um, pretty remarkable. It certainly is. A couple of others from an Australian perspective, from Jim McGrath, Gillespie, Lee Warren. We've had a few nominations on that front, but he's also added Lily Thompson, Walker and Mallet, and then Johnson, Harris, Siddle and Lyon. So it's, it's probably the combination. They were around the same time and they played a few tests together. Just the quantity, the, the impact that this quartet, I guess that's the point you're making, isn't it, Coxie? Yeah, the longevity. And it always, apart from the odd injury or the odd rest, it's generally been Stark, Hazelwood, Lyon, Cummins for the better part of five years, maybe even more, this quartet have been together. And... Donnie sent McGrath, 100-plus tests, retired 2007. Warner, 100-plus tests, retired 2007. Lee, 75 tests, retired 2007. Dizzy, 70 tests, retired 2006. So it's in a similar mould. But were they together consistently or were there others that would bob up during that period along the journey, like whether it was... Stuart McGill added to the to the lineup for an ex- example when two spinners were required in matches. That trying me trying to place myself back in that yeah. early two thousands era and trying to think back how much did that bowling lineup change or was it largely consistent for the same amount of time that what we're experiencing now with the Australian bowling quartet? Yeah, exactly. More love for the West Indies in the nineteen eighties. We're simply the best, Dean. You're right. Holding Marshall, Garner, Roberts. It's hard to go past them. Didn't really have the spin option, but who needed it when you're knocking them over with that sort of pace? Well, that's the, yeah, that's the other thing. It, just because Australia's got one spinner a part of it, if it was all strike bowlers and they got the job done, that's worthy of consideration as well. I oh, know. We definitely need a spinner in there, Coxie. You oh, understand yeah, yeah. that? Yeah. No, I do understand <laughs> in that. In our selection uh, <laughs> panel here, where there's got to be a spinner there. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's, uh, another good one here from the bowling lineup of the West Indies. This is probably around the 60s. Wes Hall, Charlie Griffiths, 
Lance Gibbs, Sir Garfield Sobers, um, Big L with a, a terrific memory there of uh, an outstanding West Indies attack. David is on the line, wants to have a chat about it. Morning to you, Dave. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, yeah, as, as good as his current Australian quartet, uh, as good as they are, um, compared to Holding, Garner, Robertson, uh, Roberts uh, and uh, Holding, they, they haven't been able to beat India and India. Um, the, that West Indies quartet, they just w- would win everywhere. They'd beat Australia five nil. They'd beat England five nil. They would beat the West. They would beat India. They win everywhere. Um, so, like I, I, you know, obviously Stark, Hazelwood, Cummings, and, and Lyon are, are great cricketers, no doubt about that. But until they beat India and India, like you can't compare them. It's the last frontier, David, isn't it? And uh, they just haven't been able to get over the line there. And you wonder whether they'll be together. Um, for the next one, um, whether that's uh, that's possible in the next tour. When is that, Coxie? Do you know, looking forward, it's probably a couple of years away, yeah, given the, we've just been there. Off the top of my head, it would probably be, yeah, two or three years away. So, you, well, we've got them here next summer. But, yeah, beyond that, I think it would be another two or three years away. And, again, do we – that's the other question that needs to be asked because we're celebrating this Australian cricket team this summer for all that they've achieved over the course of 2023. But in reality, it's the last time that we could see this group together with Warner departing after the SCG test. I know the focus has been largely on the fact that we've got to find a replacement for him, but we haven't spent too much time reflecting on, yeah, there's been a few speed humps along David Warner's journey, but he's the first domino to fall, if you like, from this test team and this era that we've carried through for the last 10 or so years, he's really the first one that's bidding farewell. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, And how many more are we going to see over the next 12 to 18 months? Not to put any pressure on players to retire, but you've got to think that Usman Khawaja's near or closer to the end than he is the start. It's the same with Steve Smith. Mitchell Stark is probably in that category. How long will Hazelwood's body hold on? Because that seems to be the issue. It seems as though in the last six or so months, he's been able to rectify it. But for the two previous summers, there were all sorts of concerns about whether his body would continue to withstand the rigours of test cricket. Yeah, that's exactly right. A lot of... Look, I think the important part that we do at the moment is celebrate a team that's at the moment at the very top of world cricket. Um Probably, and the feedback is coming through long and strong, um, that, that West Indies 1980s group, um, we, we really can't deny it. It was the most frightening in history, and there's a lot of them there. Chris from Point Cook's got a good one here. If you have McGrath and Warning the quartet, you, you can't look past it. You two blokes could have been the third and fourth bowlers. There, there you go. Well, Bryce, that, Bryce could have been as a... Uh, they wouldn't have played two spinners. Two. They wouldn't have played two leggies. That, that's the downside of it. And the <laughs> other downside, Chris, you've clearly never seen my athletic ability because I certainly wouldn't be considered <laughs> in any quartet on the sporting field. Well, I think that's why he's holding McGrath and Warren so high. And <laughs> w- weren't we so privileged and lucky to see them in our lifetime? And... This text, which you conveniently overlooked here, uh, I did skip past this, this one. Is, this, is, this might have been the strongest ever quartet we've seen. <laughs> Johnson, Helfenhouse, Siddle, McGain. Yes, <laughs> we, we did come together for a test. There's no doubt we did. Well, it wasn't our best. Um, we had McDonald in there as well. He was the all-rounder. So, yeah, not, not a memorable quartet of the Australian team. We got belted around 
Cape Town, but um, nonetheless, we have had uh, one combination, such as uh, in the text there. Thanks yeah. very little, uh, the, the, the <laughs> 985, That's but on, appreciate your uh, sentiment. It's on the list. It's on the list. It it's is. It's up there. It's up there.